And well, I'm gonna say my name is Clara Lilibat. And um, nobody knows that. This is, you know, uh, besides Clubhouse, that day that I mentioned it, this is the second time I've ever mentioned that. Nobody else knows my real name except, except my husband and my family, right? Um, and when I came here, um, I was always known by Lily, but then all of a sudden it became Beth. And not because I chose it, but more because a teacher chose it for me. Because for her, I was the only Latina in her class. She put me in the back because I was, you know, basically getting people um, feeling uncomfortable or the students were getting confused because of the way that I was talking. So she put me in the back and then she was like, you know, your name is too long, let's just call you back. So then everybody started calling me back. And little by little, that whole experience basically made me just fall into this whole thing of becoming someone that I was not and becoming very assimilated. Yo, what up, what up? Dímelo mi gente, que lo que? Welcome to another episode of the Quien Dueres podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know it's your boy Pavel bringing you another special episode with another very special guest. Now, the clip you just heard in the intro is with this week's guest, the homie Clara. Now, before getting into the episode, let me give you a little bit of a quick bio on Clara. Clara Torres Jameson is a proud Puerto Rican y Dominicana with a mission to help and teach 1 million women to find their voice, get visible, and increase their economic power without giving up their health. She's a former Fortune 100 sales and marketing executive. She's the founder of Resiliency Group LLC, also the author of Camila and the Rain, as well as the Financial Divas Bullet Journal. In addition, she's a certified yoga and wellness coach. And to round it all out, she's the host of inspirational Latinos and questions to ask podcasts. Now that you know a little bit more about Clara, let's get into the episode. I'm really not that type to be like, I mean, I've been on interviews and they send me um, <laughs> questions and I don't even look at them. One, because yeah. I don't see them. And two, because I feel like then I'm too scripted and I don't like that. So I don't, I don't like that either. Yeah. And this is, this is not an interview, just a conversation. Um, so I'll, since we didn't have a prep session, I'll, I'll like quickly talk through like what this is and then we'll jump into it. So, um, yeah, I mean, plural, the brand that I created is all about like redefining professionalism because I believe that so many, so many of us hide who we really are because we've been trained to believe that like so many parts of our identity are unprofessional. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, they, there's so much research out there, but there was this one study that said 76% of Latinos in the workforce suppress parts of their identity. And I was like, yo, that was me. Like three out of four people, I was one of those three. Um, and I did it for so long and it wasn't until I started being myself that I really started like thriving at work. And um, so what I'm trying to do is really, you know, build that representation to show people like, yo, it's okay to be you and quote unquote professional or quote unquote successful. And uh, I think it's, I think your experiences would be interesting to talk about just given, um, you know, you went to some really dope college and, you know, academic institutions, you've been on the advertising side as an account executive. So you've done the corporate and now you're doing your, your own thing as an entrepreneur. So there's like so many different facets of authenticity and professionalism, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But 
but when I say, when you hear the word authenticity though, right? Such a buzzword, like what, what does it mean to you? Like what comes to mind? Oh, it's interesting. I actually did a podcast on this um, where I broke it down because I think that it's a buzzword right now. Everybody's using yeah. it. And I think that nobody knows what they're talking about. Meaning <laughs> they don't understand what authenticity really means, whether it's the actual definition of it or what it means to them. And I think that they pick up different, different people's definition of authenticity. And then they actually put it on their own, right? Which is something that we actually do to be able to understand exactly how to put it together for ourselves. But I think that authenticity is something that, like if you, if you think about Brene Brown, she says, well, authenticity should be you saying your story, but with a caveat of, understanding who you're saying, saying that story to, right? But then there's Oprah who says, well, no, it's your full authentic self. It's who you are with all the goods and the bads and, and, the, and the rawness of it um, and allow that story to really take hold and not be afraid of the bad and the good, right? So it really depends on who you are on the fence. Like some people are just like, I'm gonna be my authentic self, but they've been, really um unfortunately ostracized because of it because of the yeah. fact that unfortunately authenticity what it really means in its core is when people come in and they are themselves but with a good intention with good energy and and of course i'm simplifying it but i'm using the definition of the dictionary um but it's one of those things that usually we're like oh no i want to be a my authentic self so you go to social media and you put all these rants and you do all these things and then you get ostracized by it and for me authenticity really has meant um not necessarily brene brown's um sec well in the well you know what let me take that back in the beginning of my profession it was all what brene brown was it it was like about yeah, show a little bit of yourself, but not really, right? Because I wasn't very comfortable with myself. I, I was assimilating a lot. There was a lot of things that I was working through. Um, and I did not show my full self. I, what I showed was the perfection of professionalism. If my counterpart who was white or whomever her background was or, or he was professional, I was 10,000 times more professional because of the fact that I felt that I needed to be that way in order for me to be taken seriously. And in some ways it actually worked out for me, right? Because they did take me seriously and there are times that they did not. And that's where even when I was professional, it was still like, do you have a seat at the table? I don't know. Um, so it's one of those things that for me, authenticity, as I've gotten older, cause I'm much older, um, <laughs> I'm 42. I actually just turned 42 uh, on Monday. And, um, I feel like now, especially after you hit 40, you feel like the hell with all this, I'm just going to be, I'm going to live my life. I can't live my life by other means and other people's definition of who I should be. So I've allowed myself to really truly be myself. Um, with all the rawness, as Oprah mentioned, but with the good intentions, right? With the intention of always showcasing myself in either helping someone or with positive energy, never, never coming in with the authenticity of just, I'm going to just, you know, vomit everything and just be everything. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to also take into account 
the other person receives the information or who I'm actually interacting with because as a person, I have to be respectful of that. I have to be respectful of um, not necessarily that they're not gonna take me the right way. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. If they take me the right way or not, it doesn't matter. What I have to come into the conversation is just being myself and with good intentions and with a positive outlook and with the idea of I'm going to help this person or I'm going to do this or I'm going to have a conversation, whatever it may be, it's just with that good energy. I'm a yoga teacher too, so it kind of goes into it. But um, authenticity to me has evolved as years has gone by. And in the beginning, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy to be authentic. And I actually had a really hard time with Renee Brown a heart i actually everybody was loving her and i was like i can't stand her i know i'm not supposed to say that because there's so <laughs> many rounds out um fans out there but it's not because of the fact that she wasn't saying the truth she was she she knew exactly what authenticity was i mean she studied and everything it was more because i was having problems with my own authentic self with allowing myself with you know telling my story and then when she would say but wait with a caveat with you know just Tell enough, but understand that not everybody's going to accept the information that you're giving them or the story that you're giving them in the light that you're telling them. Um, and to me, that was another way of blocking who I was, of blocking who authentically I needed to be with the bad, the good, and the ugly, right? Um, so I really had a hard, hard situation with it um, or with her or her message but it wasn't until i turned 40 that i i actually had my husband um watch the the keynote her tedx and he was like yeah we already know this like latinos know this like we're very authentic people we live on in authenticity our lives are authentic and it wasn't until having a conversation with him and him and me telling me telling him my grievance and he was like well remember that what she's really coming from is the um, aspect of allowing people that have always been told to be perfect to not be perfect and that's when it kind of clicked on me where i was just like you're right she's just giving that permission and again then i had the problem of why is she giving me a permission like why can i just be myself instead of having to assimilate all the time and it wasn't her, it was my own personal situation that I had to work with and understand that it is true what she says. You can be authentic, but the intention has to be in a way where it is holistic to you, whether it's bad or good, right? But it's in a positive light. And you have to be also understanding that other people may not receive your message or who you are as a good thing. And that's okay, because those are not your people. Right. Yeah. So it wasn't until I had that conversation, I was like, okay, and I had to get through it. But I really had a hard time with her definition of it. While I loved Oprah's because I was like, yeah, I could just be myself. <laughs> I could just with all the bad and the ugly and all this stuff. Um, and I think that there is truth to that. That's the reason why we have our close friends. That's the reason why we have, you know, our, our little inner circle. Um, but when it comes to the workplace, not necessarily that you have to shy away from being authentic, but you have to have emotional intelligence. And you know you have to understand how to navigate the corporate world or the environment in which you're in, so that way you're able to really be um, very successful at it. Yeah. 
Well, that, that was a lot. What? <laughs> no, no, no. That that's perfect, and and I appreciate that explanation. And um, yeah, I mean, Oprah's definition is almost like easier to take on, right? Because it doesn't even take that self-reflection. It doesn't take that emotional intelligence. It doesn't even take that empathy and that like opportunity to even like look at your audience and say like how are they going to receive it right it's just like you know what I don't give a fuck who my audience is I'm just going to be me right you know what I mean and um I love I love what you said around like us like being authentic is almost like giving us permission to not be perfect yo that hit me because I feel like so many times we're in situations or like in corporate spaces where we feel like we have to be perfect if we aren't then we're going to be like, you know, fired or something. You know what I mean? And, um, oh my God, you said so many things, but that one really stuck with me. And, but I, I, did, I definitely want to check in with you on, like you, you, you said something around, like, you know, it was difficult for you to be authentic essentially because like you were trying to fit into other people's definition of who like you thought you were supposed to be. And like, I know some of my guests say that like some, you know, sometimes they're like cultural expectations. Sometimes they're like family expectations, right? Like, what were some of those expectations that you felt like you had to fit into? Oh, I, I definitely had the cultural, the uh, family, the uh, woman um, yeah. expectation. Um, I also had the um, not coming from the United States. I'm from Puerto Rico, Caribbean. I'm Caribbean. So my culture is like, oh, when I tell you even like the, my, you know, like I'm not first generation, although you would think I am but I'm not, I'm literally, my, my kids are. So I even had that, you know, um, element to it. Um, and for me, definitely the expectations was um, the, the perfectionism. The perfectionism was really, really like, since I was young, um, because coming here, I had a lot of not great experiences because we, we lived all over the East Coast. And I lived in the South, I lived in North, and, and, you know, there's many different experiences, whether that's racial, whether that's, you know, you being the only Latina in the neighborhood, or even in the class, or even, let's say, in the, in the supermarket, right? And, and you're like, okay, everybody's looking at me. So I automatically internalized all that. And unfortunately, because of that, I, you know, little by little, for me and, and no one, I think I told you this on Clubhouse, but um, when you were having one of the sessions, but you know, when I came here, I, I have three names. I'm Dominican, I have three names. It's a full long name. And one of the names that I have is Bath. And well, I'm gonna say my name is Clara Lily Bath. And um, nobody knows that. This is, you know, uh, besides Clubhouse, that day that I mentioned it, this is the second time I've ever mentioned that. Nobody else knows my real name except, except my husband and my family, right? Um, and when I came here, um, I was always known by Lily, but then all of a sudden it became Beth. And not because I chose it, but more because a teacher chose it for me. Because for her, I was the only Latina in her class. She put me in the back because I was, you know, basically getting people um, feeling uncomfortable or the students were getting confused because of the way that I was talking. So she put me in the back and then she was like, you know, your name is too long. Let's just call you back. So then everybody started calling me back. 
And little by little, that whole experience basically made me just fall into this whole thing of becoming someone that I was not and becoming very assimilated and perfectionism. And then, of course, then fast forward, you know, with all the experiences, then I come to New York City and that was 15 finally. And here there's so many different people and it's like you have you're allowed to be yourself, right? You're allowed to be either loud or whatever. Um, but the only thing is, is that when you walk into the corporate world, I automatically switch the bath in inner me. Although I was still, I was called Clara. At that time I was like, no, I'm Clara. Yo soy Clara. Mi nadie me quitale. So like, this is who I am. Wait, um, so did you, you, did someone ask you like what your name was? And then you just said Clara one day? No. So the way that that happened was the fact that I, my, my cousin came, so I, I lived with my cousin. Um, and uh, she was like, we just can't call you Beth. Like, that's not your name. <laughs> and I was like, well, they've been calling me Beth all these years. Like for me, that was my name. Like Lily was for my house and then Beth was for the outer world. Um, you know, so it was really, a, a really hard. And then she was like, no, but that's not your name. So she was like, and my grandmother's name is Clara. So she was like, no, you're like, you're like your grandmother. You're, you're Clara. Your name is Clara. So then I was like, you know what? I love that name. Yes. Let's go with it. And she was like, I think that that's what suits you. And ever since then, that has been my name. Like I've taken ownership of it and more because of the fact that again i was trying to get rid of those those ties of not only assimilation but of that perfectionism of not being myself of that you know all these culmination of what transpired throughout my life um, until that moment so once i accepted that then it became a little bit easier, but the depression was still there. The feeling not enough was still there. The, you know, those things, those issues, you tend to, it takes a while. It doesn't come automatically where you just be like, I'm Clara and now I'm like this fabulous, confident woman. <laughs> yeah, hear me roar. Like it doesn't <laughs> happen that way. I wish it did, but it doesn't happen that way. And I was still, you know, it was, I was 15. I was going through a lot of things, um, you know, as a teenager and even finding myself. Yeah. And- um, Some formative years there. Oh, extreme. But the good thing about it, at least I was not still in that bubble or that, that cloud. It wasn't a, bu a bubble. It was a cloud mm. of someone I was not. And it wasn't because I didn't want to be myself at home. I was me, you know, I'm Lily, I'm Dominican, Puerto Rican, like, yeah, I'm loud, I'm this, I'm that. But outside, I was very quiet and timid and you know, I was a Beth, right? I was a Beth, whatever Beth represented to who I was with at that moment based on the experiences that I had and the people I surrounded myself with. Um, so then, you know, as high school went on, I, ha I started hearing my voice and it wasn't until college when I went and I left home that I literally just basically was like, no, I'm going to become who I am. But the funny thing about it is that the minute I, I, I walked into a corporate world, I started working at 19 and um, I was going full time to Fordham University and I was going uh, full time as a um, at that time it was executive assistant. And I started as that. And then that I walked. Um, it was in a PR tech company and it was a startup. And um, when I went into that, that role, it was interesting because 
my best friend, um, she, um, I love her dearly. Uh, you know, she's Jamaican and, you know, she's very much about, but her, even herself, she did the code switching. Like she was mm. like, oh no, we have to talk a certain way. And she even told me, she was like, listen, in this company, in this world, this is what you have to do. So automatically I became Beth, but without being called Beth, right? <laughs> um, I mean, this is the first time I've ever seen this, by the way, like I've never told these I never told this to anybody. Um, even my husband, he knows a little bit and not all of it. Um, because when we talk about it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. You, you go through these episodes where like, what do you mean? So I think that having conversations with him have made me feel more comfortable about talking about it and not being afraid of it or ashamed of it. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been a, a journey. Um, so yeah, so I, so at work, when I started my first job, I became, um, I became Beth, but I was Clara still, right? Like I still, you know, when we go out to lunch, I'll be like, okay, I could breathe now. I could finally like just be myself. Um, and it was interesting because the owner, she was Asian and she was herself and she would tell everybody, just be herself, your, yourself. Like she was like very confident like that. Um, but I still was very afraid because I already knew, or at least in my head, subconsciously, I told myself, well, if they find out, you may not have your job, or they may not think that you are professional enough or smart enough. And my thing has always been everywhere, and this is true for every Latino, I mean, I wouldn't say every Latino, but most Latinos, for what I've known, is that the first understanding about Latinos is that they're not smart enough, but that they don't have education. So to me, it was like, nope, I'm showcasing that I am the smartest. I'm very smart. I'm capable. I'm the, I will be there at six o'clock in the morning and I have to leave at six at, at work. Um, so that way I could go to school from literally seven to 11, sometimes 12 o'clock. And it was a constant thing. But to me, those are formative years because it allowed me to understand, that's when I started thinking, like I will see her and I'm like, she's, she's herself. Yeah, she's the owner, but she's herself. Why can't I be myself? Um, so it, it was one of those things that little by little, little by little, as I saw other women who were also minorities, who were also very prominent in the way that they, they actually um, showcased themselves and became more authentic of themselves, that's how I was able to allow myself little by little to allow myself to be more me. Um, and, um, but it wasn't until, honestly, un until I left corporate that I literally allowed myself to be me, like me, 100% me, with all, like at Telemundo, we were at Telemundo, my last job was at Telemundo, and there we had a familia. It, it was an amazing, yeah. amazing, amazing community. Like I love them, they're my peeps. I. If I could kiss them every day, I would. Um, but we were in this big organization. And, uh, you know, it was, it was interesting. You had a lot of people that were very accepting, but there were people that were like, okay, calm it down, you know, take it down a notch. And, and it was always like, I always had to learn, in essence, when to code switch and when not to. 
Um, but the beautiful thing about being in, 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 in at Telemundo was the fact that it allowed me to even have even a bigger, like, a, just be myself, like just within that ecosystem, I was able to breathe. Um, and then when we would go out, we would just have to be whoever we needed to be. Right. Um, but it was interesting how, um, it took a while for me to be like the, the hell with this. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. Like I'm, I'm done. And I think it, you know, like fully, fully, it was after I left, but it really did like completely start with them because I would see these powerful women, Latina women, yeah. um, Latino men, um, who were just themselves. Like they were themselves, they were very smart and they knew their stuff. Um, and they didn't change themselves in any facet. Um, and they brought it right and they were even when they were it was bad um i mean there was some experiences with upper management and, and below i mean there's different that, that's a different conversation but um yeah yeah it overall it was a very good experience because it just allowed me to have more of a voice to be okay with myself yeah yeah I'm, yeah i mean it, it 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 takes it takes that representation for you to be like oh i they're they're doing it oh yeah. all right well I, I guess i can do it right like I, I remember when i started um being more of myself at work and people were like oh i guess wait did you did you raise your hand in a meeting and say something i was like yeah bro like we work here that's what we're paid to do kind of thing and they're like nah nah i can't do that i can't do that i can't can't disagree with somebody in a meeting or something like that like it's just like very little things that it almost to your point just like gives you permission um to be more yourself and, and i'm so curious because we all go through that code switching phase right like it's it's just like journey that a lot of us are still going through and at, at the end of it hopefully like we get to a point where we're ourselves but i'm so curious like for you like in what ways do you think you were hiding parts of your identity and you know throughout your career at some point so, um, I mean, I, I hit the fact that I was very loud. As <laughs> yeah. I, um, I laughed loud. Um, I think I also hid some of my cultural, depending on where I was at, some of my cultural um, experiences. I hid that I was a mom for a long time. I would not yeah. tell, and mind you, I was a mom of four. And it was other women who were, regardless of their race, they would be like, can you believe she had four women, four kids or three kids or two kids, whatever your number was at that moment. And I would get upset at them. And it was because of the fact that I was in a male dominated, I'm in sales, right? I was in sales. Um, still am, but in essence, I'm, I was in sales. And I just felt like that was looked upon in a negative way. We all know the mother, it, the motherhood tax, I think that's the name of it. I was it. just going to say that. With, which is basically that, unfortunately, the minute that they find out you're a mom, not everyone, not everyone is like this, but the minute that they find out you're a mom, automatically, you know, either they want to pay you less or they um, don't want to give you opportunities or whatever the case may be. And I was like, no, I want them to see me for what I brought to the table and how good of a seller I was. I did not want them to see me as a mom. And although everybody thought it was a great thing. I was just like, nope, I don't want to talk about it. I mean, I would go to client meetings and they were younger than me and they were like, let's go hang out, let's do this because they literally thought I didn't have any kids. And I guess I had a young face, but they were just like, come on, let's just do all these things. And I'm like, no, I have, 
I have kids I have to go home to. And I, I will make up stories about like, oh no, tomorrow I have a really big meeting and whatever. And it wasn't, um, I think it wasn't until my fourth that I was just like, um, it, I, I think it was, it was someone that actually um, from the Today Show who actually was like, can you believe she has four kids? And she introduced me to someone and I got so angry with her. And I think that she noticed it. And um, she basically told me, she was like, oh, did I offend you? I'm so sorry. I just think that it's such an amazing thing that you're working and you have four kids and you're making it happen. Like, you're a superwoman. You're my hero. Like, you know, give me all these accolades. And it wasn't until then that I realized, wait, it is good to have kids. It's not a bad thing, you know? Like, it, it really, you know, but for a long time, I would not tell many people. I didn't want people knowing that I had four kids. I did not want anybody to know about it, especially my clients. I just, I would keep it as much as I possibly can, with the exception of those clients that I was very close to, um, or the clients that were Latinos. Because for me, it was like, oh, they would understand. It's okay. Um, there was no judgment there. So um, it became really one of those things that I then just allowed myself to say, yeah, I have four kids and these are my priorities and that's it. And, you know, I, ha I also have to give my old boss credit because he actually hired me pregnant and with my third. And at that time, I didn't think that was even possible. And he was like, no, I think you're extremely good. And I think that you could definitely deliver. And just because you're it doesn't mean anything and that's when i realized i was like what really you don't yeah. think there's anything wrong with being pregnant and he was like no i think you're fantastic and i had to give him a lot of credit because he did boost my my uh self-esteem about having kids during that time period and my experience with sales and everything else um because he did see the value and then he made me see my value without mm -hmm. even saying much but just to say i believe in you and Here's the job. And NBC was awesome about that too. Have to admit. Yeah. That that's a that's the beautiful thing about having these conversations with with um with different people is that there's so many different ways that we can identify ourselves, right? And I think we always default to culture, right? We always start with like, oh, where you were born and where your family's from, kind of thing, or where you grew up. But um, and then when I asked about authenticity or even like you know, ways that you suppress your identity. I haven't heard the story of someone not wanting to share that they're a mother yet. And like, for me, like getting to know that experience and hearing that experience, just like open my eye, open my eyes to like a whole new world or like a whole new way of people like hiding their identities. That's so interesting. And your experience in sales like resonates with me so much because, and I think it's so powerful because I'm in sales too. And what people don't realize is that we're not just code switching from nine to five, we're code switching from the five to nine after that. You know what I mean? Whether it's the dinners, whether it's the meetings. And uh, sometimes like I do it harder for clients because like how much they like me means how much they want to spend money with me means like how much I'm going to do well at my job. Exactly. A hundred percent. It's, um, and then you don't, you also don't have a voice, right? Like I felt during that time that I didn't have a voice or I shouldn't say a voice, an opinion. 
because you're representing so many different companies and you want to be good by them and you want to be able to service them in the best way you can. So for me, it became one of those things that, you know, even though there are certain things that I did not believe in, like right now, social media is all about just tell your two cents, right? Say what you really believe about certain topics, political, whether it's political or not. Yeah. And throughout my journey, that wasn't something that was acceptable. And yes, social media, as as I've gotten, you know, as it has gotten matured, it has allowed us to have that opportunity. But that wasn't a reality back then. That wasn't a reality, let's say, five, three years ago, right? Um, and it's it's a reality that I didn't in sales. I didn't feel like I I, I had an opinion, not because of the fact that anyone told me not to have an opinion, but more because I was just afraid of how um, my clients will perceive me. And I did not want to offend them. And I did not want them to feel a certain way about me because again, I had the Latina again against me. Although also I thought, I, I actually think it was a superpower because they felt like, well, you can educate me. You could do this. You could do all these things like what? Tell me about your culture. Like it was a little bit of a different thing. But again, it's a subconscious thing that from growing up, coming to this country and always being told you got to assimilate, you have to be just like everyone else. You have to, you know, like you, you start then identifying that even within pockets that you don't even know that you're doing it until you have the time to reflect and say, why am I doing this? Like, why is this? my automatic um, knee-jerk reaction of doing it. So for sales, definitely is something that I felt I didn't have a, um, an opinion, um, whether that was provided or not, it didn't matter because it was me that I felt like if I have an opinion, they're not going to like me or even take me seriously. Um, and believe me, I'm sure that that was so false. I'm sure that I think, you know, to be honest with you, a lot of the stories, and this has been proven psychologically, um, so I'm certifying behavioral, um, you know, certain behavioral things. And um, in reality, the stories that we create do stem not from the actual interaction that we're having or the people right in front of us, it's from our own insecurities. And mm -hmm. that's the thing that we don't, we tend to be like, oh no, it's because this person did X, Y, and Z to me or looked at me in a certain way or said certain words. Yeah. Actually, if you step, step back and you really reflect and say, okay, why is it that I'm feeling like this? You'll be able to peg it back to when you were little, to an experience that happened to you that somebody said something similar. And then yeah. that's how you're starting to view the world because that is something that automatically shaped you to who you are today. Right. So automatically that person may have just said, oh, my God, you're fantastic, but just looked at you in a certain way. And because that reminded you of who that person that was very nasty to you automatically like, oh, she was being nasty to me. And then you're eye rolling and doing and it's like, actually, no, I wasn't. I was just saying that you were fantastic. You know, like so I think sometimes many times, many times is the stories that we tell ourselves about our insecurities and our in, in, inadequacies that are actually not there, that we're creating it for ourselves. And like you said before, the minute you allow to yourself to let go of, of those stories or those ideas, 
you become so much more effective and more authentic yeah. and happier. So yeah. I think that that's one of the things that I also learned throughout my, my experience that, you know, I had to do a lot of self-reflection because, yeah. um, you know, I came from the whole experience of being sensitive to things, which is a, it's, it's a positive thing, right? I'm able to pick up subtleties that others cannot um, because of my experiences, because I'm hypervigilant, but because I'm hypervigilant, unfortunately, that creates a problem in which then I'm looking at things in a negative way also, in, a, in an extremely negative way. And that's when we have to, at least me, I have to kind of step back and say, actually, did she really mean it like this? Or was it really like that? Or even ask someone, hey, what were your thoughts about this email or this person, what they said? Do you think I'm right? Because then that means that it's somebody else looking through a different lens and really giving you an outsider's perspective and is not looking it through your eyes. They're looking it through somebody else's eyes. And then that way you could check yourself and say, oh, actually, no, it's me putting those stories or those inhibitions on myself. Let me let that go. Yeah, I love how you mentioned self-reflection because I, I went through that same experience. Um, but to your point, like, at least for me, like there was a moment for me when I feel like I was forced to reflect. Like I had an emotional, I, I just started crying one day, not at work, but it was about work at home with my aunt. And she was like, what's happening? And I was like, you know, just explain to her what was happening. And uh, she was like, well, well, why are you not being yourself? And I was, I, in a weird way, I, I like looked into myself and I was like, I don't know, I thought, I thought that's just what we had to do. I thought that's just what we have to do to be successful. And that look, that reflect, well, that sparked like a deeper reflection into, you know, why I felt the need to do a lot of those things. But what was it for you? Like what sparked that moment of like sitting down and, you know, it's a continuous reflection, but was it, was there a specific moment that led to that start of reflecting? There's been many times, but I think it was, um, it was during a time that I was talking to uh, a coworker of mine, um, a Caucasian, he was male, and I received this email and um, I was already flustered. And mind you, oh, by the way, before I go into this, it was interesting and I, just because I catch things, little subtleties, it was interesting how you were like, I didn't cry at work. And it's like, I <laughs> Like that's I wrong. Like, that's, that's wrong. wrong. And in exactly, reality, yeah. that's human nature, okay? I think that sometimes we are told, like, I've cried at work, and I'm going to say it yeah. out loud and proud. Um, and it's because that makes me human. I am a human being. I'm not a robot. And it's not necessarily that what you particularly did at that moment made me cry. It's because of a culmination of things that have made me cry, right? That no longer can I handle it or I don't have the emotional capacity to manifest and be able to work through it in order for me to have the stoic perfection of image and be like, yes, I understand. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I hear you. Oh, <laughs> you want me to do X? And in, inside you're like, mm -hmm. I'm dying. I wanna punch in your face or, you know, or I'm like so like I'm so angry, or I'm so sad that you just told me this, or whatever, you know. And and I think that to me, I do want to say that that, you know, it's not that you're gonna go out there and cry every five seconds. We're not saying that, 
But if you're going through an emotional experience, it, sometimes it's okay to have that. Of course, it all depends on who you're doing it with. Although, to be honest with you, I did it with two of big bosses and I don't regret it. I don't regret it. I don't regret it. And the reason why was because they saw my truth. One of them was receptive towards it and the other one wasn't. But the fact that one was and was able to say, I'm so sorry to hear this. We need to change this. That made an impact. If I was stoic, they would have never made any changes, right? So with that being said, it's one of those things that I, I feel like people tend to be like, but not at work. I didn't cry at work. Hold on a minute. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's allowed. You're human. It's allowed. It probably so goes me, back to just like what we associate that to, right? It's not the act of crying. It's like, if they see me crying, then they're going to think I'm weak. If they think I'm weak, I'm not yes. going to get that opportunity, right? And it just goes down this spiral. Exactly. And I think that it's, it's one of those things that it's, you know, again, it's not like we're, I'm staying here to go ahead and cry every single day That's and for every single problem. No, I'm saying that, you know, if you're being emotional about it and it comes out, then it comes out, you collect yourself, you try to manage it, um, and then you move on. Don't beat yourself over it. Don't think that it's the, best, that the worst thing about it. And some people are going to be receptive to it and some people are not. The, person, the people that are going to be receptive to it are the people that are going to make a change about it. Because if you're crying, that's because something is not working. Your body is telling you something is not working and you have to listen to it. We need to start listening to our bodies because I think that that's one of the things that we tend to not to do, which goes back to the question that you had um, about self-reflection. I think at work, I've always been very hypervigilant. So reflection has always been like, so what did I do wrong? It was always me doing something wrong. Always me, 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 me doing something wrong. But the minute that I realized that I was looking to towards certain things. It was like I mentioned before, it was um, an episode where I had um, one of my friends who was a Caucasian um, and we were talking and an email came in. And I think it was a little bit, um, we were having a good conversation, but it was a, a, an interesting conversation, a very um, emotional driven com conversation, if you will. Um, meaning in the sense of that what he was saying was okay, but, um, I think it triggered me, right? Like certain things that he was saying were triggering me and I wasn't noticing it. So that email came in and automatically I thought that this woman who was sending me this email was like screaming at me, telling me that I didn't, I wasn't good enough, that all this stuff. And when he read it, right? Cause I was like, how dare she saying this to me? Blah, 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 blah. Like, because he was right next to me. He was like, uh, Clara, no, that's not, I mean, I'm reading and I don't, I don't see that. Like, I don't, I don't see that. Right. Like I'm, I'm reading it differently. Like actually see, she's saying the opposite, it, you know, yeah, she may be a little bit um, like stern and forthright, but I don't see what you're saying. And that's when I realized, oh, wait a minute. I'm looking through it, through my own eyes, through my insecurities, through what has happened to me, and then through this experience that I've just had with him because I was being triggered without me knowing. And that's when I realized, oh, no, 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 no. I need to kind of understand those triggers and then realize that before I respond, before I do anything, anything whatsoever is just take a pause, take a breath, and then, you know, um, acknowledge. And then, or if not go to the bathroom, there was times that I would go to the bathroom 
um, uh, because there were certain companies that I would experience, you know, racism, prejudice, you, you name it. Um, and I would go to the bathroom and I would just be like, okay, just breathe in. It's going to be fine. You're going to be fine. It's okay. And then I would come back and reply to the email and it was fine. Like, and you know, and you'd be like, yes, I understand exactly what you need, blah, 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 blah. But inside you're like, oh my God, why? Um, so I'm sorry. I'm glad you also mentioned that too, because, you know, I don't want to paint the picture that like. Oh, just be yourself and it'll be all fine. Like there is that resistance sometimes as well, right? That you face because like the first step is like being courageous enough to be yourself, right? But then it's like when you get hit with that, like you may get hit with the racism, you may get hit with the microaggressions or most likely you probably like 100% will, you know what I mean? And then it's like, how do you deal with that and then get over that? Like, so yeah, I just didn't want to paint the picture that like, oh, it's all going to be like skipping down rainbows. Like what's to be yourself? No, and it's not. And I think that, you know, through your journey, you're going to learn how to deal with them. I think that through your personal growth, you'll definitely understand. That's where the EQ comes in, the emotional um, intelligence. And I think that that's one of the things in our culture, I'm hoping that we teach, like I'm a social and emotional learning, um, I'm certified in that. And literally, that's one of the things that I'm teaching my kids. Like, I want them to be assertive. I want them to be able to speak. I want them to be able to feel what they feel, but express it in a way where it is, um, uh, you know, constructive. And yes, that they are yes. able to say things that they don't feel like, well, I'm going to be shamed about. No, it's like you have the right to say what you have to say, yeah. um, whether they react to it to, in the way that you want to, and possibly not. But at least you said what you have to say, because if not, then people are just going to keep on doing things to you that you're not going to A, like, or appreciate, or even take you seriously. So those are the things that I think that in, in our community, we definitely have to be um, more receptive, like, I wouldn't say receptive, but teach our kids. Because I think that we are from the culture of kids don't have a voice or kids, kids should not speak. Not all, no, not all parents are like this. But you know, especially from the Caribbean, it's like you you're not spoken until you're 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 told to, right? Um, you have to be in your room until you're told to come out. Like those are the things, those are the cultural, mm -hmm. traditional ways of being. And although that has been changing, thankfully, um, it's still there. So I think that at least for me, I've been very, very um intentional in teaching my kids, like you could be upset right now but you need to tell me what is it exactly that you want to say to me in a manner in which you're not lashing out, screaming, doing all these yeah. things. And if you do have to do that, take your moment of reflection to relax, to calm down and then move forward. And then we can have the conversation. So I'm trying to teach them those things because of the things that I had to go to the bathroom to learn that, right? Like I had to go to the bathroom so many times to be like, okay, I have to calm down. And then I'm going to re react to this. And it's yeah. not going to be peachy. There's going to be people that are going to say things that you're like, did she just say that to me? Uh, really? Like, you know, I, I, I like what that I heard, <laughs> huh? Does anything come to mind? Well, the one thing that comes to mind is, um, I, I was in a, I was in an experience. So I was in a, doing a sponsorship, right? And, um, you know, some of my coworkers, there's different, different people around me and it was great. It was a great experience, but 
one of them, we were doing like a giveaway and one of them not being Latino, um, her being Caucasian mentioned, oh, I hope that they don't get lost or get stolen. And I was like, because they were sending it to our offices, like, the, you know, like to our offices. And I was like, I'm sorry, what do you mean? Because I love, I, I love to ask people, tell me more. Can you explain that more for me? Like, I love to you're, do that because I'm like, so they can reflect. Sometimes they don't reflect. You're, you're Sometimes such a, they, you're such a, they just say what they say. Um, you're but such I, a seller. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, can you tell me more? Can you explain a little bit more about what you mean by that? Um, and she was like, "Oh no, because you know we've never had any issues." And that's when automatic is like, "So because they're being sent to our offices, you're gonna have an issue." Like that's when I really realized that she was without noticing having her own biases about who we were based on her experiences, right? And that was really hard because then automatically the BX in me was like, what are you trying to say? Like, what are, what, what are you saying? Like, and then I was like, well, you don't have anything to worry about it. We've never lost or have ever, ever stolen anything. So you should be okay with that. You'll receive your packages within two days. And that's exactly like, I made it a point to be like two days after, like, because of the fact that I wanted to teach her or at least eat, whether she picked it up or not is a different story, but I wanted to make sure that she realizes that what she said wasn't important because she, I did see her face and you could tell that she was like, she didn't know what to say next. And I was like, yeah, you, you, when you say things, you have to be more cautious about how you saying it because, I mean, it's not necessarily to be censoring. I don't believe in censoring. I, I think that people should say what they have to say, but again, say it in a way where you are empathetic towards the other person. And we're not perfect. We're not gonna be perfect all the time, but we should be able to say, like that comment was never necessary. That was never necessary. Why did you have to say that comment? It was never necessary. It was more for her to be like, okay, within two days, I would like to the package back or the, um, the property back or whatever. That's all she needed to say. But that side comment of, I hope that it doesn't get lost or stolen. Why do you need to say that? And especially in a month, and it wasn't only us two, it was a team of people. And mind you, I was the only Latina there. And I'm like, you know, and I had to like breathe in and be like, no, and just be like, tell me more. What do you mean? Because that's the other thing is like you catch them and sometimes they catch themselves about how inappropriate things that they're saying. And then they kind of change their tone or they change the concept of what they're talking about, which is in a way good. Um, and then you could then educate them about, hey, this is how it's going to happen or whatever. For me, it's like not get mad, although I I could get mad at home and be like, can you believe she said that? But it's more of, all right, this moment is about educating them and really showcasing them that our community or whoever she thinks she's dealing with is not like that. So, yeah, I, I love that. And I know we're out of time. So I'll ask you this last question. Um, before we get to that, though, I, I just want to say that I love what you're teaching your children. Like they're going to be so prepared for the world because I'll share a quick story before I, I um, get to that question. But I remember like at work, like I was labeled as aggressive one day 
and um, it happened, you know, situation like I disagreed with the, with the teammate, just like very calmly, just like, hey, I disagreed that point because of X, Y, and Z. I have the data to back it up. They were like, oh, well, like, why? Whatever. We got back and forth. They raised their voice. I raised my voice back and whatever. I got labeled as aggressive. Um, but I remember going to therapy and my therapist was asking me, she was like, did you, did you have a higher tone than usual? And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I probably did. And she was like, hey, that, that, that's okay. Like, why, why do you feel like you had to do that? And we got to the point where I was like, I felt unheard for so long by my teammates because I would say something in a meeting, no one would listen to me. A white colleague would say something, the same thing with less data to back it up and to be like, oh, what a genius, right? So, <laughs> but I think many of us get to the point where we're labeled as certain things before we're before we get to the point where we are even able to communicate our emotions like i didn't know how to communicate not only recognize my emotions but communicate my emotions until i started going to therapy that was like four or five years ago you know what i mean so it's it's really unfortunate that we don't get many of us aren't taught that skill and then get labeled accordingly and then that just destroys our whole career um, where I just, I'm getting chills even just thinking about your children and how prepared they're going to be. So I know we're over time. So I'll ask you this last question. Um, you know, what's the one thing that continues to empower and inspire you to continue being your most authentic self? I think one, my kids, of course, definitely my kids, because if I'm not, if I'm not authentic, they, then they can't be themselves. Um, and two, I think, believe it or not is, is, um, the impact that I see happening right now amongst our community. Um, the fact that we are truly trying to get together to allow ourselves to be heard and to let go of all these um, untrue stories that, that we've been told before. Um, I think that definitely the ability, um, the yoga has helped me a lot. Being a yoga teacher has helped me a lot uh, for sure. And I think that, um, the beauty of women, men, I mean, social media, really, let's just say it as it is, like when you see somebody just being themselves and just being out there and saying, this is what happened to me today, um, that's empowering, right? Like that's empowering, especially, you know, I, I even see it now where back in the days, it was a really no-no to even put things on social media that you didn't want your employer to know. Um, especially on LinkedIn, like, no, there, you do not No, or like, you will be called into the office for it. You know what I mean? Like how you represent my company. And, you know, to an extent that still happens because you has still have to be very professional about things, but I do love how we are becoming more aware of the ability that authenticity is an asset, right? That authenticity, diversity, inclusion, that that's an asset that that's not a, a hindrance um, that uh, you know that we do matter and that we are smart as hell and that we are able to contribute so those all those things are allowing me to really be comfortable with myself um, especially being loud Latina <laughs> well I mean a loud Latina and I've been called aggressive because you know when you have confidence I feel that when you have confidence, especially as a Latina woman or as a woman, either you're cold spicy or aggressive, right? And it's automatically like, 
No, it's because I'm confident. And I understand that you feel uncomfortable with that, but that's on you, not on me. And I'm not going to take that on. And I had to take, you know, I had to learn that throughout the years. But um, yeah, it, it was knowing how I've been perceived and knowing that that's really not who I am. Um, and if I am, it's okay. That's who I am. I bring the bacon, I bring the money, I do what I gotta do. It, 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 there's an asset to being aggressive, right? Um, so I think that uh, just allowing myself to accept myself and then the culmination of all these beautiful, like the younger people just allowing themselves to be authentic. Like it's just just everything, you know, my kids. I mean, I, I, I do think that for the Hispanic community, um, we have a bright future. Um, I think that we definitely have a bright future, not only in corporate, because we're gonna be seen more, our voices are gonna be heard more, but we're gonna be allowed to be our authentic self even more because of the fact that I don't think that young Latinos are allowing themselves to not be heard or not be seen or not be authentic. And I think that to that, this liberation. And when I see that, I'm like, wait a minute, I can do that too. This is amazing. Love you. Thank you. I appreciate you. So, um, you know, that, that was long-winded, but it's, it's a combination of a lot of things. But definitely, I think that um, the more authentic we become, the more self-actualization we will be receiving. Um, and the better the company will be in the end because of the fact that the numbers will speak for itself. I, I mean, studies have shown that many times. That wraps up this week's episode. Appreciate you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please do us a favor, like, share, subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts specifically, please do us a favor, leave us a review, let us know what we're doing well, what you would like to see from us. And if you wanna learn more about the brand Plural, visit us at Plural.com. I'm your host, Pavel Martinez, and that was an episode of Quien Tu Eres Podcast. Dímelo.